lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. And we have quite the show lined up for you here today. I am Steve Dace. Todders and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. If you want to let us know what you think about what we think, you can email the program, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for me as well on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and now Getter, G-E-T-T-R. And if you're looking for clips of the show, head over to Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Again, over at Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. We have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. I'll tell you about it here in just a second. But first, I don't know, those of you that follow me on Twitter, and Aaron, I know that you saw this last night. Of, of all the people in America that I thought was going to take a shot at homeschooling, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it would be a young man who nearly lost his life being trapped in a government school. But lo and behold, a young man who almost did lose his life being trapped in a government school. And I never can remember how to pronounce his last name. Kyle Kashuv, I think. think. Thank you. Okay. Decided to take a shot at homeschooling in America. And I can only tell you what I have seen in my home. In my home, two years ago, we graduated our first homeschooler. She's barely 20 years old. She leads the local nonprofit theater troupe here in town for the youth. She has starred in productions at our Civic Center, including the lead in Hairspray. She's the youngest manager in her retail chain, in her national retail chain at the mall here in town. She has her own apartment, her own car, and has zero student loan debt and is already making the amount of money that I didn't make working in radio until about two to three years into this, into this job. So clearly um, she's an example of the dysfunction that comes from the homeschooling world. Okay. Lost child. Indeed. 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 Yes. Now, I understand, and I have said all along, I've even angered some of my fellow homeschoolers with this. I'm not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. Uh, Having been born to a single mom, I'm absolutely, having been on government cheese, ADC, welfare, growing up, I clearly understand that not everyone can afford to do this, okay? I absolutely believe it is the best model if you can, but I understand that not everyone can. And even though I'm a firm believer in it with our son, He had extracurricular activity needs. We just simply could not fulfill from a homeschooling perspective. So we bit the bullet and came up with an extra 10 grand to put him in Des Moines Christian. Um, So, you know, every family has to make their own decision. But if you are on the edge of thinking, you know what, can we really do this? Where would we get a great curriculum from? How do we make sure that if our kids want to go to college, they're still college certified? Anastasia could have got into college easily. Her grades were great. She was just like, I don't need to get 70 grand of student loan debt or hired for an English degree. What what was, 
you know, or a business administration degree, which she just end up with the same job she kind of has right now, right? So if, if you're wondering, can we make this work, all right? Um, there's lots of different options out there for you. You know, one of them, for example, is um, our friends over at Patriot Academy. Now, typically what they specialize in is Second Amendment defense courses, but that's not all they do there. They provide some outstanding constitutional apologetics on history, the Constitution, the rule of law, things of that nature. There's all kinds of great products that are out there available for you that you may not even know about. Um, Their constitutional defense course will help with your knowledge of the Constitution and American exceptionalism. And also, you can shoot guns. Sold. All right, so if you want to register for their upcoming course, you can get 90% off of the training. Uh, They do this out in Nevada, and the whole family is welcome. you got to take care of your own logistics, but they'll give you 90% off their next training, which will be this fall. Don't worry, they're not going to do a training in Nevada in the summertime. All right, go to constitutioncoach.com. There's all kinds of other things you're going to find there, by the way, that will help equip you on American history, Uh, American law, things of that nature. Constitutioncoach.com is where you want to go to get more information. Again, constitutioncoach.com. You can register for their next course there as well. All right, coming up here today at the bottom of the hour, fake news or not, and and a a, a self-described centrist comedian has put together a Twitter thread that is essentially a summary of the last six years of my life. How I went from Yeah, I mean, I know they're against me, but they're at least honestly against me. So I can be friends with New York Times and Washington Post reporters, and they can even be in my home as guests, which they once were, to don't you dare call them back. Don't call anybody back. Don't pretend they they don't exist. Trust no one. And I'm now Alex Jones with Bible verses. How did this happen? Well, at the bottom of the hour, we will walk through a, a brief history of time that is essentially my current career trajectory for better or for worse next hour dr robert malone is going to join us he was the first man to patent mrna technology we'll get his read on what he is seeing with the data on the mrna vaccines and we're going to introduce you to a new term you need to know about called ade we will define that for you with dr malone next hour and then we'll get into pop culture tuesday and where's the olympic buzz at We'll get into what that could mean or what it maybe doesn't mean. That's coming up at the bottom of next hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Chaos, also known as Tuesday. Now, typically on the montage, it's made up of a hodgepodge of stories put in coherent order for your viewing pleasure. Today, not so much. To illustrate the chaos of a typical day around here, I'm going to put these in the order of which I flagged them. We'll start with New York Governor Andrew Cuomo saying some stuff. Worst case scenario, a large number of unvaccinated get sick. And even worse than that... The Delta variant mutates to a vaccine-resistant virus. And now 
We're right back to where we started. Everybody has to get vaccinated again. Andrew's brother Chris was busy on CNN blaming Ron DeSantis for something. The question becomes, as a policy perspective, is how long do you allow the majority of this country, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, South, North, the majority of every group and demographic we have have gotten vaccinated. How long do you allow them to be held hostage in states, let's say, like Florida? where, you know, you have the governor saying, yeah, I know it's breaking out. We're going the other way. Don't Fauci this, uh, my Florida, no mask mandates. I'll let the parents decide. I mean, where's that messaging going to get you? Senator Elizabeth Warren was interviewed by Teen Vogue, and she had this to say about baby murder, quote, both voting and access to abortion are basic. They're about the functioning of our democracy and about the protection of personal autonomy. The right-leaning Washington Examiner newspaper is requiring all of its employees to get vaccinated. A leaked internal memo stated that all employees were to send their proof of vaccination for COVID to the Human Resources Office by August 9th. A new congressional report will link Peter Daszak to the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda campaign about COVID origins. Daszak is the director of EcoHealth Alliance, which used National Institutes of Health funding to in turn fund risky gain-of-function research in Wuhan, China. I'll remind you that Daszak was the one who emailed Dr. Fauci back in April of 2020, thanking Fauci for downplaying the possibility of the lab leak theory. By the way, that email was heavily redacted in the previous FOIA dump prior to yesterday, when BuzzFeed News' Jason Leopold was able to obtain the unredacted version. Part of the previously redacted section from Daszak reads, quote, the work we've been doing in collaboration with Chinese virologists has given us incredible insight into the risks these viruses represent so that we can directly help protect our nation from bat-origin coronaviruses, end quote. Back to the congressional report, which also stipulates that the virus was, quote, released from a Wuhan Institute of Virology laboratory sometime prior to September 12, 2019. Top Biden coronavirus advisor Dr. Michael Osterholm has swung back in the direction of real science with these comments on masks. We know today that many of the face cloth coverings that people wear are not very effective in reducing any of the virus movement in or out. Either you're breathing out or you're breathing in. And in fact, if you're in the upper Midwest right now, anybody who's wearing their face cloth covering can tell you they can smell all the smoke that we're still getting. We need to talk about better Masking. A rapper named DaBaby was dropped from the lineup this last weekend at Lollapalooza after so-called homophobic rant. DaBaby is the genius behind such songs like Big Butt, Gucci Big Latina, and Pull Up Music, the latter of which is a song about being in a gang and shooting rivals. DaBaby subsequently released a statement, quote, I want to apologize to the LGBTQ plus community for the hurtful and triggering comments I made. Again, I apologize for my misinformed comments about HIV AIDS, and I know education on this is important, end quote. Laurel Hubbard, the New Zealand dude who set world records in women's weightlifting, is out of the Tokyo Olympics after failing his third lift attempt. In other words, the dude competing in the women's event was beaten by a bunch of actual women. Speaking of low T levels, Senator Lindsey Graham tested positive for COVID-19 yesterday. He says he's, quote, very glad I was vaccinated, end quote. Checking in on the southern border, according to government estimates, over 210,000 illegal immigrants were taken into custody in the month of July alone. This week, reporters at the southern border in Mission, Texas, say they're seeing the largest crowds of illegals they've ever seen, all camped out under a large bridge waiting to be processed. Checking in on the TikTok crowd. A lot of the people using kitty and pup and bunny self pronouns are neurodivergent minors. It is a very common neurodivergent experience to feel a disconnect from being human. Mm -hmm. When this intersects, 
you get noun self pronouns and animal noun self pronouns. If you are not comfortable using someone's pronouns because you assume it's kink for some weird ass reason, don't interact with them and just shut up about it. Louisiana is reinstating a statewide mask mandate for everyone five years old and older. Last week, the Cleveland Indians announced they're changing their name to the Cleveland Guardians because racism. Problem is, the Cleveland Guardians are a already well-established roller derby club in the city, which competes nationally and internationally. Here's the Cleveland Guardians new logo, and here's the Cleveland Guardians roller derby logo. Huh, checking in on the Muppets. We met the most amazing princess, but they ran away, and all they left behind was this. Everyone, there's something I need to tell you. The princess who came to your ball tonight was me. The Broward School District in Florida is backpedaling on its mask mandate for the coming school year after Governor Ron DeSantis threatened to cut funds if implemented. Daily Defiance, we head to North Carolina, where a listener to the show, Karen Carnes, spoke to her local board of education against mask mandates. The flu and COVID-19 COVID are transmissible in the same way, and we have never used masks in the past for the flu because they don't work to stop the spread. They have been, there have been no randomized or controlled studies that prove they work. There is no data to support the lie that children are safer for using them. There is, however, a lot of data to show how damaging masks are to children. And I'd also like to say that on a personal note, and I don't know how each one of you feel, but when I go out and I go shopping, I do keep my distance from people. But when I see a child just looking at me because I don't have a mask on, they have a fear, an unfounded fear they shouldn't have. And things have flip-flopped back and forth so much. These children, I'm confused as an adult because the story keeps changing. Good job, Karen. And finally, here's what happened when Joe Biden met the son of Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir. For those of you listening, what we're watching is Biden awkwardly holding the hand of Bashir's 12 or 13 year old son and handing him his used face mask. And that's what happened while we were away. Uh, that's the look I had on my face last night. Um, what? What? Is that real? Yeah. I'm, I'm whispering like Joe Biden too. Aaron's montage brought to you by Arkham Asylum. Also brought to you by Home Title Lock. Um, how much equity do you have in your home? You know, one painful way to find out is to have it all taken away. Uh, cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners that the more equity you have, the greater the chance foreign or domestic criminals will come after you because home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. And that's what Home Title Lock does. Uh, stop you help you to not become a victim of it and if you become one to get your equity and your home's title rightfully restored to you because thieves can go online where our home titles are kept claim they are you uh, forge your signature on a quick claim deed stating you've sold your home to them and then take out loans against your home and your equity don't let that happen to you protect your most valuable asset and right now they're offering you a complete title history of your home to see how clean it is if anybody's ever attempted to come after it or not, 
Uh, that's normally a $100 value. They're offering it today for free when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. Get that complete title history of your home for free today at HomeTitleLock.com. Now, we have some breaking news. This news just broke right before we came on the air. Letitia James, the state attorney general in New York, was finishing, just finished a press conference and uh, the release of her report on the sexual harassment allegations against Governor Andrew Cuomo. Her report and her statement today alleges that the governor of New York broke both state and federal law. That she specified that. That the, that the governor vote violated both state and federal law in committing sexual harassment against multiple women. My instant reaction to that, first of all, I want to congratulate, let me be the first, in fact, to congratulate Letitia James for being the 2022 Democrat nominee for governor of New York. Secondly, we will discuss this story in more detail in today's overtime uh, that will be available for subscribers. After today's program, we will record it for you and then upload it later this afternoon for you to watch on demand. And you'll be able to do so at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go if you're not yet a subscriber to get all of our exclusive content at a discount with a Blaze TV subscription. To the montage we go. And, and I have to tell you, you throw in the Cuomo news today. This is nuts. Did it feel like there's like a week's worth of news in this montage? Correct. Um, where to even zero in? You know what? I know where we're going to zero in. I, I Two things. One, the Washington Examiner, last I looked, is a top five website in terms of traffic within conservative media. And they are now mandating the jab to all of their employees. Another reminder. If you think it's just as simple as the same folks who disagree with some Democrat policies as you do mean that they're, they're going to fight the cultural war, the culture war equivalent of the Marne. Or Iwo Jima or Gettysburg. That you're counting on that. That they're going to be there with you. Nope. No. No. I mean, it's not even a memo saying, hey, look at this data. We highly urge all of you to go out and get this. They just went right to mandate at the Washington Examiner. I mean, with friends like that, uh, you, you, those aren't your friends, actually. No, they're, they're not. So we're going to have to have something a little bit more tying us together other than opposition to a few Democrat policies. I know, like a willingness to, 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 to do something about them, maybe. Is that a better standard, guys? Or just adopting all of them. Or just even adopting all of them and then attempting to impose Seems them. Seems like that's coming out of left field, Steve. Gosh. Indeed. Um, for the 14 of you that apparently have not paid attention here for the last 10 years. Yes. Um, and I've, I've got to go to my old friend, man. I, I just think he's adorable. Okay. I love me some Michael Osterholm. I do. I love that guy. 
And I first learned of him, uh, you know, when COVID began to break last year, he did a long interview with Joe Rogan on his pod and a whole bunch of you urged me to go and listen to it. So I did. And I, and (laughs) where to even begin with Michael Osterholm. So the very first weekend when Trump announced lockdowns and the governors in the country went along with it, that very first weekend Osterholm, and I, I can't remember if it was the New York Times or the Washington Post, but I repeat myself. Uh, Osterholm wrote a column that very first weekend talking about you can't lock down a country like this. We have to figure out how to live our lives. I mean, the societal cost of this on the back end. I mean, he was already, he was already begging the question. Does the cure worse than the disease? I I mean, early on, I cited him actually quite a bit in my own skepticisms against lockdowns. But then a few months ago, didn't he admit that he hasn't like seen people in his family or something for like a year or something like that? And he's dying to see him. Okay. The line that, uh, the line that putting on a mask to stop an airborne virus is like putting a screen door on a submarine. Do you know where I got that? I got that from Michael Osterholm, who was addressing the Minnesota Chamber, that's his native state, the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce last June, I think it was, when they were figuring out how they could reopen their state and stop taking a bath and losing money. And they said, why don't we just just reopen everything, put everybody in masks? And Osterholm told them the truth, the mask won't work. To then becoming an absolute mask pimp, yo, just pimping out that mask, all right? And then, <laughs> and then he was asked about Fauci's dumbass assertion of double masking. To which Osterholm immediately dissed that and said, that's ridiculous. That's silly. It won't work. It'll just harm the person more than it will actually stop transmission of the virus. To then when he was informed that it was actually Fauci's idea, you know, I just think double masks... <laughs> That's the only way to fly, right? I mean, he's firing up the ZZ top, except he's not looking for some tush. He's looking for some double masks, okay? On his back home on LaGrange, all right? (laughs) Is this real life? It is. It is. I love this guy. I mean, I freaking love him. You know why? Because he's a dinosaur. Do you ever wonder what it was like to watch the dinosaurs go extinct in real time, right? In real time, to watch them, just to stand by and watch them go extinct, to watch this this massive creature, this dominant of the ecosystem known as the Tyrannosaurus Rex, just eventually assume the position to be gone forever. What did it look like? Well, I I can't give you an eyewitness testimony to that. But what I can give you an eyewitness testimony to is you've ever wondered what it's like to watch science go extinct in real time. And for actual scientists to realize, oh bleep, I'm going extinct. And then attempt to do the science instead. And then realize, wow, I I suck at this. I, I got into this for actual science. I'm I'm not really into this to peddle a narrative, um, but let me try it because that just seems to be where the market is at. 
and then they can't help themselves. It's a little bit like, I just, I can't help myself knowing what the truth of something is and believing that somewhere along the line, it is still attainable, right? Even though, Erzin, you continually try to break me of this, of this tendency, of this habit. I, I just, I, I can't. I must, I must at least make an effort to find the truth. But the same applies to me. This is irresistible force against yes, immovable object. Yes. Osterholm must, must attempt his first instinct over and over again. I, I fully expect that in a week, if not by the end of today, Michael Osterholm will be doing another cable news channel pointing out, or maybe even the same one on the same show. You know what? I totally forgot about this study that we did uh, you know, 10 minutes ago, the mask work. Okay. This poor fella is an actual scientist. Now, since he has like no real worldview plumb line, he's getting tossed to and fro here, right? The double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But you can see what his, over and over again since this thing began, whether it's lockdowns, masks, his instinct has been to revert to science. In fact, you'll notice there's an interesting little footnote in our book, Fauci and Bargain, pointing out that masks don't work. And this footnote comes from a study published at the Center for Infectious Disease, which is a branch of the University of Minnesota. It's a study that was, if I remember this footnote right, was in like April of 2020, even as the pandemic was underway, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. For those of you that are just curious... Would you like to know? Come on, ask me. I mean, you probably have already guessed, but come on, I just I just want you to ask. Just ask me. Steve, who's who runs the Center for Infectious Diseases at the University of Minnesota? Somebody ask me. Just come on. Just ask me. Hey, Steve, who runs the Thank Center you. for Thank Infectious you. Diseases at the University of Minnesota? Thank you. By golly, I'm glad you asked. Somebody super sciencey, I bet. It, they are super califragilistic sciencey, in fact. None other than Dr. Michael Osterholm. He runs the Center for Infectious Disease at the University of Minnesota. And this poor guy is a portrait of what's going on in science in real time. See, let me tell you the biggest story that's happened so far this year that like almost none of us are talking about because there's 75 other big stories happening. It's the American Medical Association announcing last week that gender isn't real and doesn't exist. From the beginning of this, we have pointed out to you, when does the expertise end and the worldview begin, right? Right. I've asked that question. I think that was the first question I asked, the first show when we began just saying, hey, we just think these questions should be answered before we maybe irrevocably alter our way of life and never get it back. And maybe you have good answers and maybe it is a survival level event, but shouldn't these questions at least get answers before we all agree that that's the case? Fair? Yeah. And then about a month or so in, when we realized they didn't have any of these answers, we realized, well, this is just a scam. It's just a matter of just how, how wide and vast the scam is. But if the, American, if the American Medical Association is now going to peddle tranny madness on an institutional level, which it currently is, here's what that means. It means pretty much every doctor that you would want to go to, every healthcare professional you would want to go to that unless they have a moral and spiritual plumb line, plumb line at work in their lives is completely and totally worked over or they're about to be. That's what it means. That's what it means. 
You're watching a veteran, decorated, accomplished scientist who has worked for the last now six presidential administrations. Who knows more science than I deposited in the toilet bowl this morning. You're watching his deconstruction in real time. Because he got into this thinking he was going to do science. And cure the world of the unenlightened. And then he got in. Now he's figuring out, oh, I'm just actually going to have to become a member of the unenlightenment. We're going back to the dark ages here. But he can't resist the urge to return to the science every so often. I remember when Chris Loesch, Dana Loesch's husband, was not allowed on a plane last year because he attempted to wear an N95 respirator instead of a cloth mask. Because they don't work. But they told him because it had one of the valves on there for filtration that he could not wear that mask on the plane. That's how nuts this has been the entire time. So if you've ever wondered, Michael Osterholm is a dinosaur. Not as imposing as a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Not as swift or efficient a killer as a a Vasilaraptor. Or is it Velociraptor? Velociraptor. Thank you. Okay. And not as cute and adorable as those big giant Baranosaurus Rexes just eating the, the, the leaves off the plants. But rest assured, he going extinct just the same. And so is science. You know, we've been talking about Rough Greens for quite a while now. It's that supplement powder that you sprinkle in with your dog's food so that all of the stuff that was taken out at the factory, the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, uh, uh, the antioxidants, the pre and probiotics, all that stuff goes right back in. You know, all the stuff that we buy so many supplements for to put back into our food because it's taken a lot of it's taken out of our food as well. Well, the same thing happens with your pet. That's why they need a supplement too. Now, you may be wondering though, How do I know my pet's going to like this? Do I want to bite the bullet for something they may not like the taste of? Well, here's one way to find out. What if we give you that first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free? You put in a couple bucks for the shipping, so you've got some skin in the game. Okay, but we'll give you the bag for free just to get you started and see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com. All you pay is the shipping at roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833-ROUGHDOG, R-U-F-F. All right, let's get to it here on Fake News or Not. With I want to share with you, we, I had something originally planned for this segment today. And then I read this thread this morning when I got up. And I just thought, first of all, this is even long by my standards. So I, I we'll zip through and get through as much of this as we can until I'm bored. But... It's, it's semi-autobiographical, and, and I didn't write it. I just read it. But it is a, it's an index of my own conscience for the last half dozen years. Trying to figure out where is the truth. And for much of my career, I operated from a framework here on there were egregious examples of lies and and distortions what Dan Rather attempted 
before the 2004 election, for example. With the, what Rolling Stone did with the, uh, um, the Duke lacrosse story, right? But, but, but these things, when they were discovered, would be across the board. I mean, Dan Rather, his career would never recovered fully from that. When, when, there were this, when, there were, when there was this level of distortion, even people within a biased industry said, no, 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 we can't do things like that. There has to be a policing of that. And so I operated when I got into this business 15 years ago and until the last five or six years, I operated from the premise that the truth was still attainable within the mainstream of American media if you calculated for the bias, the ideological bias that was built in. Fair? Yeah. And so if you knew that the way that things were going to be presented were going to be from a certain ideological bias, it didn't meant that they were untrue or false. It just meant that the narrative was spin. And so you had to unspin it, but that at least the, the names and the data and the events occurred and would be accurate, even if the conclusions that were written within it were going to come from a certain point of view. And on some level, they had to be good at the spin. Yes, like their spin had to hold up to yes. some level of fact checking yes. from the from people on our side. Correct. And over the years, I got to be friends with or know on a personal level reporters for places like the Washington Post and the New York Times had them as guests in my home. Understanding that they have a different belief system than I do, but we're all just we're being honest with each other about it. I have framed in my basement a fairly lengthy feature that the New York Times did on me in 2015. That is from its point of view, but it's pretty accurate portrait of me and how I operate and why. And that's why I have it framed in my, in my man cave at home for everybody to go and read if they would like. I wouldn't let anybody now from any of those publications, no matter what our past history were, anywhere near my home today. I wouldn't even return their calls. How did I get here? Just me. I want to show you this thread that appeared on Twitter this morning. And this thing is Levitical in length and detail. So we'll go through it as much as we can and as quick as we can, but it won't take long for you to understand where this is going. It comes from a guy who bills himself as a centrist comedian. And he begins by asking, hey, you're struggling to understand why some people might be, I don't know, vaccine hesitant. You know, imagine you're a normal person. Let's go back to 2016. And you believe, rightly or wrongly, most of what you see in the media. You believe things like polls are reflective of public opinion. I mean, my goodness, how much time in my career have I spent breaking down polling and polling data and, drawing, and drawing my conclusions from it, right? Right, yeah. Now I just break down the polling, if you know what I'm saying. That's what, In the last election, I just broke down the polling, not the polling data, okay? Uh, you believe doctors and scientists are trustworthy and independent. We just got through watching. You're watching Michael Osterholm go extinct in real time. We just talked about that, right? You're a decent, reasonable person. You follow the rules. You trust authority. And then imagine your shock when Brexit, which you were assured could never happen because it's a fringe movement led by racists, it actually did happen, even though the polls all said it was never going to happen. And then the pollsters they, and the experts, they blow that off and say, you know, these things happen but then soon after Donald Trump is running for president, those exact same people told you there's no way he was going to win and he would lose. Some experts say he had a 99% chance of, of, of losing. 
So Hillary had a 99% chance of winning. And now the racist monster they told you could never get near the White House just so happens to be the leader of the free world. And you ask yourself, how did this happen? Except all the people in charge of informing you, they tell you it was the Russians. And as Aaron pointed out in his montage today, Chinese collusion is apparently a thing, right? Yeah. Peter Daszak, thank you very much. Copyright Peter Daszak, 2015. Okay. Um, then they tell you, hey, the Russians did Brexit and they got Trump elected too. Now the Russians, the Russians couldn't adequately install toilets in the media hotel for the Moscow Olympics a few years ago, right? They couldn't do that. They had issues. Okay. They, I mean, they, they couldn't do that, but they single-handedly made Brexit and Donald Trump happen. That's apparently where they've diverted all their resources there in, in, in Mother Russia. Uh, so for the next three and a half years, you watch as the media and the political class run with this Russian collusion narrative. They've got dossiers, whistleblowers. They've got peeing on prostitutes. So you're desperate for, to, to, for things to make sense again. And then the mullet, the, the Mueller, I almost said the mullet, the Mueller report comes out and now we're going to set the world straight. Um, and so imagine you're shocked then when you discover that Brexit and Trump had little to do with foreign meddling. The screaming about Russians and Brexit, Brexit uh, goes down and dies down in flames as well. And then you imagine bit by bit, you're discovering that the events which the media and political class told you would not and could not happen, not only happened, but happened without some sort of evil third party interference. You keep asking, how could this happen? Your new answer is the country's racist. So if you're white, this seems strange to you other than a handful of idiots. You've never really met anyone racist. If you're an ethnic minority immigrant, like the author of this Twitter thread, you think this seems even stranger. I mean, why would people in one of the most welcoming, tolerant countries in the world want to convince themselves against their own will their country is racist? <laughs> uh, but of course, the evidence is right there on your screen. After all, imagine your horror as you found out that a gay black actor is assaulted by MAGA hat wearing thugs who racially abuse him and put a noose around his neck. He even cries while talking about it. Imagine your outrage as you see news reports of a bunch of MAGA hat wearing kids from a religious school contemptuously confronting a Native American elder. Reza Aslan tells you that the kid has, quote, a punchable face. Let me tell you something. Reza Aslan knows a thing or two, brother, about punchable faces. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. All right. Imagine that for days you watch coverage of these events with expert after expert and pundit after pundit sharing and fueling your outrage. But then imagine soon after, however, the Jesse Smollett story turns out to be an attention-seeking hoax. Imagine that you quickly discover that the Native American elder was actually the one confronting the kids and not the other way around. If this is such a racist country, you ask yourself, why would they need to make up stories of racism? As you ponder this, you remember that for years now, you've been expected to go along with other make-believe. You're expected to believe whether male or female is not as simple as you once thought. Whatever you learned about biology at school is now wrong. Imagine reading that the experts at the American Psychological Association say that traditional masculinity is, quote, pathological and harmful, unquote. Imagine you still want to believe the media and their experts. And this, though, requires that you now think the country is racist, men are bad, and gender is a social construct. And we don't even know what that means. It is at this point in time now that a certain pandemic emerges on the other side of the world.
You are initially concerned, but as scenes emerge, or unconcerned, but as scenes emerge from Italy and other countries, it's clear something big is happening. The racist Donald Trump shuts down travel from China. In response, the mayor of Florence advises citizens to fight racism by hugging a Chinese person. Shortly thereafter, Nancy Pelosi visits Chinatown in San Francisco to explain there's no reason tourists or locals should be staying away from the area because of coronavirus concerns. Thank God there's some terrible non-racist people who aren't overreacting, you say to yourself. Nonsense, you think to yourself, as you wonder how best to protect yourself and your family from this deadly disease. You consider getting masks. You've seen visitors from Asian countries wear them. But then the UK's chief medical officer tells you not to wear wear a mask and wash your hands instead. So you're proud to be doing your part. You're locked down. The first wave of the pandemic does not overwhelm the healthcare system because we're all in this together. Imagine your confusion if the same people who have spent three months telling you masks don't work and you shouldn't wear them introduce mask mandates. We're following the science, they tell you. This makes little sense, but a pandemic, of course, is no time to ask for questions. I could go on, but now we're getting into all kinds of things you all know. Because we're now into the period of time where I have been informationally radicalized by several of the events that led up to this period of time, and even some others, like Brett Kavanaugh, that he didn't even mention. Now, I have tweeted this thread in my Twitter timeline today. If you follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show, trust me. This thing is solid freaking gold. And it's long, but you want to get, so was Lord of the Rings. You want to get to the end. But this is a semi-autobiographical look without a word of it being penned by me, of me. This discusses my own evolution, or some of you might consider it a devolution, over the last few years. How we ended up with a slogan two years ago of, assume you're being lied to, (laughs) okay? How How did I go from the guy criticizing some of my fellow conservative media personalities for not using the platforms of mainstream media to push back and to fight back and to get in the battle, right? Remember those conversations we had years ago, right? How did I go from that to, well, assume you're being lied to? Well, you just got a brief history of time of how that occurred. This is what's happened to me. And I'm guessing this is what's happened to a lot of you. Gentlemen, your thoughts. It's animal farm in tweet form. Mm. Uh, There's such a landslide of reality in there that again, I, there's just zero, zero, zero reason now for anybody with a Christian worldview to be thinking that we aren't at the bottom of the slippery slope. Uh, what next the query about, is it, when will it get so bad that no, 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 we, uh, we sprinted past that. We're way past. You are in the dystopia now. Please at least tell yourself that. Then if it's a matter of the courage, you can't just find the courage to do what must be done. You know, okay, it times are hard. But denying the reality of where you live right now, unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. 
this is a dystopian novel. That is the reality we live in. And the people on the right who are just now coming around to what's been going on here the whole time, now that they now that they waited and waited and waited, they told you to mask, told you to get vaccinated. And now San Francisco, where almost 90% of the population over the age of 16 is vaccinated, and yet they're going to announce a mask mandate today that apparently is to blame on the unvaccinated. Okay, whatevs. They, they they fell into this because they're late, Aaron, coming to this conclusion. They thought they could still trust their old buddy, Scott Gottlieb, for example. They thought they could trust their old medical expert buddies, their old go-to sources. No. Sadly, you cannot. Sadly, being the operative word there uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Not, not just from a victimized standpoint, but what we're truly, what we're really talking about here. I, I keep vacillating back and forth. This is this be, between uh, a demonic manifestation and or God's judgment on a on a culture, on a people. Um, but but why not both? Mm-hmm. The unrestrained hand of the Almighty on a culture is what we see here on a, on a daily basis. The same people who want to tell you that Laurel Hubbard is just the biggest hero for losing to a bunch of women at the Olympics are the same ones who say, um, yeah, we should mask again or maybe get the booster shot or Andrew Cuomo yesterday saying, um, worst case scenario, this vaccine or this virus mutates into something that's vaccine resistant, so we all need to get vaxxed again. What? What? There is nothing that is comprehensible here on a rational ground, on a uh, on just any level, any depth or lack thereof of actual critical thinking. The only thing that rationalizes all of this, the only thing that rationalizes this entire thread is a group of people possessed, possessed by the pursuit of power and control. Whatever they need to be true today in order to get more power and control over you is what is true. And it's always been true and it will will always be true. Tomorrow, if the opposite of that thing is what will help them get power, Mm -hmm. it was always true. Mm -hmm. It was true yesterday. It's true tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. The progressive, I've said this before, and I don't think, I'll keep saying it, I'm not sure if folks understand that the modern progressive, they would rather control you than eliminate you. That's what we see. That explains all of this. Dr. Robert Malone, the first to patent mRNA technology. He will be joining us here at the top of next hour for an interview you do not want to miss. Stay tuned. With hour two live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can access that by emailing us, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Look for me as well on MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter. And if you're looking for clips of the show that are both free, 
and also free of censorship. Go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Podcast listeners, you know the drill. Hit follow or subscribe, depending on what the indicator there is on your podcast platform of choice. And leave us a five-star review if you haven't done that already. Those of you that have, you played a role in helping the explosive growth of this show in the last year. So thank you very much to all of you. This part of the program brought to you by one of our besties, our friends over at Built Bar just enjoyed my uh, my lemon. Oh, I can't remember what it's called again. The lemon almond um, cheesecake. 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 Thank you. Thank you. It's just got so much goodness. I could not remember what it is called, even though I just ate it. Okay. Uh, if you like a good snack every now and then, but uh, you're concerned about nutrition as well, trust me, Built Bar is here to save the day. It's the absolute best protein bar you've ever tried and it's easy on the tummy as well so many great flavors all of them covered in real chocolate including the lemon almond cheesecake you don't want to miss out a lot look at their regular flavors i mean that's what got me started on this and their regular flavors are 180 calories or less five net carbs or grams of sugar or less you cannot beat it and if you want to try it right now if you want to see how this became the official protein bar for the U.S. Olympic track and field team. Go to their website, built.com, B-U-I-L-T, for built.com, and use my last name, Dace, as your promo code to get 15% off when you go to built.com, promo code Dace. We welcome in an interview we have been waiting quite a while to line up. Dr. Robert Malone is our guest here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. He was the original patenter of mRNA vaccine technology. And uh, Dr. Malone, my name is Steve Dace. It is a pleasure to have you with us, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Steve, and for the opportunity to speak to your audience. You bet. Our, our audience is going to be pretty learned uh, for considering a lot of other audiences you're going to probably speak to because of how in-depth we have covered this story over the last year and a half. But I want to begin with just kind of a refresher, Dr. Malone. What is mRNA vaccine technology and how is it different from a more traditional method of vaccinating? Oh, thank you for starting with that question. Um, I always get the uh, please establish your legitimacy question by telling us your entire history of your CV in five minutes or less, please. <laughs> um, so I'm very glad to have this one. Um, so this is a, uh, so a more sophisticated audience. Uh, the central dogma of biology is that DNA makes RNA and RNA makes protein. So uh, you need to start with that to make sense out of all this. And if you think about it, your DNA in your genome is kind of like your hard drive on your laptop, and uh, the part of your cells that manufacture proteins are like little biorobots. And there has to get a, a message, a signal, that comes from your hard drive out to those biorobots to tell them what to make, because they can make a lot of different things. And they make it basically, if you could think of like it's a ticker tape that gets transferred from this, this nucleus of the cell, the central part of your cell, out into the cytoplasm, the peripheral part of the cell. It's like the white of the egg versus the yellow of the egg, if you can think about it that way. And that ticker tape is a physical thing that gets sent out 
from the nucleus out to these ribosomes. Those are the little uh, protein uh, manufacturing robots that are near cytoplasm. And that tells them what to make. Okay, so the idea behind uh, the RNA vaccine technology is basically applying a gene therapy method, delivery of mRNA. mRNA is the message. It's the ticker tape. By the way, there's other kinds of RNAs. So that's why we say messenger RNA or mRNA, as opposed to say ribosomal RNA or ribozymes or other forms of RNA that exist. So uh, this mRNA ticker tape normally goes from the nucleus out to these small biorobots that we call ribosomes, and they make proteins. In the case of an mRNA-based vaccine, we use a synthetic gene transfer method, polynucleotide transfer, mRNA. Now, objectors, uh, the, I'm sure the trolls are going to come out and say, no, 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 RNA is not a gene. Well, in fact, it is the, gene, the, the genome of this virus that we're talking about, SARS-CoV-2, is made of RNA. So you can have DNA-based Wait a minute, I want you to, could you reiterate that for me? The genome of this virus is made of what? RNA. All right, I want to come back to that later in this conversation because I have a theory and I want, and I'm hoping you're going to tell me I'm nuts. Okay, but we'll get to that later. All right, go ahead. There's a lot of theories uh, and that's okay. I'm I'm good with that. I'll I'll go down whatever rabbit hole you want. Okay. Um, And and it's all good. Uh, But in terms of the core idea of uh, technology, uh, there, one can use specialized fats that self-assemble. They're, it's not actually a liposome. It's a lipid nanoparticle. So it's kind of like a fake virus that transfers just the synthetic RNA, which is the ticker tape in the metaphor, into your cells and causes those little biorobots called ribosomes to start manufacturing a antigen, a protein, that normally would be produced from the virus's genome when it infects the cell. But instead, you're just producing, you know, and that and a number of other proteins would be made by the virus all at the same time. But in this case, you're just causing your cells to make one of those proteins, which kind of mimics as if the cell is infected by the virus, without having all the other virus proteins that manipulate the cell and the surrounding environment to make it so that your immune system has a harder time targeting that cell that's making viruses and killing it. So you kind of mimic natural virus infection, but you're only expressing one of the proteins. You're not expressing the other ones that manipulate your immune system quite as much. That's the core idea. Okay. And when you do that, it produces a much more natural immune response. But it's still, you know, in that it has both antibodies and T effector cells, so the cytotoxic T lymphocytes. But you're still not getting the breadth of immune response that you would get, say, with natural infection. Uh, so that's the, the trade off is that you're. You're not expressing the viral proteins that would manipulate the immune response. You're not producing live virus. 
you're producing just one small subset. And that's kind of important as we look forward to what the big picture is if we get to that part. And the thinking of Gert van der Bosch and issues about escape mutants and all that kind of stuff. So keep that in mind. Uh, but I hope that helps your audience mm-hmm. to kind of demystify, you know, what is RNA? Ooh, it's kind of sounds spooky and it sounds very uh, different and a little bit threatening. When- it's just uh, using fats to make a synthetic virus that only puts in one RNA coding, in this case, one gene product from the virus, and it doesn't make the whole virus. When you patented this technology, what did you hope it would do vis-a-vis the traditional benign, inert sample of a virus method of vaccination? What what benefits did you foresee for this? Yeah, so I've tried to cover that in what I just said. Uh, so maybe I wasn't clear enough. A traditional vaccine, uh, typically, and there, just please, everybody sh- needs to understand, there are no perfectly safe vaccines. Haven't seen one ever. And I'm, uh, a, by the way, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, as opposed to what some people are asserting on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent my entire career developing vaccines and vaccine technology. I'm the exact opposite of an anti-vaxxer. I'm basically a true believer. This is what I do for a living. But I, I'm pretty focused on making sure that whatever I do is ethical, it meets ethical standards, and uh, to the extent possible, it's safe. So no vaccines are safe perfectly. All vaccines and all drugs have issues. Even flu vaccine, right, that we all take every year or we don't, um, or all the classic pediatric vaccines, they all have issues. In the case of a classic vaccine where you take a virus, for example, and you manufacture it, let's use the example of an influenza vaccine. You can take a virus, flu virus, you typically grow it in eggs, you can make it in cells, but most, the lowest cost is to grow it in eggs, chicken eggs, and then you harvest the viruses that are produced by the, basically the chick embryo, and you purify those, you treat them with something that kills them. Uh, There's various agents that can use. You may or may not purify them as whole viruses or blow them apart using detergents and purify the, the subunit proteins of the virus. And then you formulate this, you mix it, with uh, we call excipients, those are things that, that uh, surround it, may stabilize it, the, the fluid component of the vaccine. And then you typically add something called an adjuvant. What is an adjuvant? It's a fancy word for something that makes, you know, uh, makes your uh, body respond uh, more aggressively in terms of the immune response. And they typically, adjuvants typically cause inflammation. They, they cause a little focus in your body where the injection goes in often hurts a little bit, often it gets a little red or sore, get a bump. That's, that's a combination of the adjuvant activity and the protein itself. The proteins kind of surround the cells in the area that they get injected. They're not designed to go into those cells or be made by those cells. So this is the typical vaccine strategy. And the problem with it is that it produces 
typically more of an antibody response and not so much of a T cell response. Which is and why you need boosters, right? No, you need boosters for a lot of reasons. You need boosters because memory cells poop out mm -hmm. after a certain time, whether they're B or T memory cells. Okay. But um, so you, this is why you need adjuvants, among other things. Um, but you don't get the T cell response typically with traditional vaccines, except with certain adjuvants. So um, that that makes it so that uh, your body only has two out of the three main legs on the stool of your immune response. You typically have antibodies or B cell responses, cytotoxic T lymphocytes and other aspects of the T cell response, and innate immunity. Those are the three things that protect you, and they all interact. With traditional vaccines, you get something that's more predominantly two of the three, you get innate, that's, that's your ancient, you know, lizard brain immune responses, and these more sophisticated modern B cell responses that produce antibodies. But you don't get cytotoxic T lymphocytes that cruise around and look for infected cells and kill those cells. These are the same types of responses that uh, protect you from cancer, by the way. So that that's the downside with traditional vaccines is they tend to be more antibody driven. And uh, the potential advantage of these genetic vaccines, the examples we have here on the table today here in the United States, there's two general types, both the adenovirus vectored vaccines, that's a DNA cold virus that's engineered <coughs> to produce spike protein. Or the mRNA vaccines, there's two here on the market here. They're not actually marketed. These are all still experimental products. Mm -hmm. um, and those uh, use a different technology, as I've explained. But they also put the genes into your cells. So right now, we don't have any traditional vaccines for COVID available in the United States. We only have these genetic vaccines. Now, I hope that made sense. It does. Audience. So your intent, just to make it as simple as I can for all of us, your intent with this with this technology was to was to provide that third leg of the three legged stool of immunity. That's what you intended to do. Right? <coughs> that that we would show longer lasting immunity from taking these injections than we do from a traditional vaccine. Longer lasting and broader. Right. Um, in terms of the complexity and, and uh, nature of the immune response okay. so that it's more like what you get with a natural infection without having to actually be exposed to the virus. So we're almost eight months into one of the largest, if not the largest vaccination movements in the history of this planet. Okay. Yeah. Is what is, is what you're seeing, the data you're seeing in real time, does it show that the tech you originally patented is providing that which you had hoped from the beginning it would as it pertains to COVID-19. Um, so uh, the, let's see how to formulate the answer to that question. I am surprised in many are that the durability, that's another vaccinologist term. Let me define how that is used in vaccinology. The durability is the length of time that a vaccine provides protection against the, the pathogen or the disease. What's a little surprising, more than a little surprising, what's, what I'm surprised and many others are is the uh, unexpected finding that the durability, at least in the case of Pfizer, is, is remarkably short. Mm -hmm. Only six months, 
that was such a surprise that at first Tony denied it. I noticed you have a book there on your shelf about uh, the good Dr. Fauci. <laughs> yes. Um, and and uh, we probably share a similar point of view about uh, Dr. <laughs> Fauci. Um, but, uh, and I'm fortunate that I work for the Department of Defense and not for Health and Human Services. Mm. I work directly in support of the Department of Defense. I'm not a direct employee, um, just to correct that. Uh, but, um, so, so we seem to see this remarkably short durability. Uh, Dr. Fauci originally was very um, uh, reprimanded Pfizer for disclosing this and then um, flip-flopped. And now we have uh, public acknowledgement from HHS that the Pfizer durability is about six months. And uh, then we had this uh, CDC leaked slide deck that was posted by the Washington Post that has further information about this problem and about Delta, and which also asserts that the durability of natural infection is about 180 days, so half a year. That's a little controversial. There are other papers that suggest the durability and breadth from natural infection is longer and broader than that. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's the CDC's current position. So the durability That's 180 is days more, Robert, than they ever mentioned publicly in any media appearance ever. It's like, it's like natural immunity doesn't exist when you watch them appear in our media, let alone I, I, for six I, months minimum. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a lot of very selective data reporting and uh, a fair amount of what, to my eyes, looks like data manipulation. And uh, if, if uh, the same rigor of fact-checking was applied to the public pronouncements that are applied to some of my, us, like myself and, and McCullough and others, I think that uh, the, the new push is to uh, um, uh, rescind a physician's licenses mm -hmm. if they make statements that are not consistent with uh, the facts. I would think that that a number of health and human services officials would be looking at losing their medical licenses mm -hmm. if, if that same standard was applied. But uh, so getting back on point, though, what's what's a little odd here is the durability seems to be remarkably short. Uh, the uh, in addition, these vaccines are appear to be providing significant protection against death and disease. But closer assessment of that um, raises some uh, issues about whether or not that level of protection is being accurately reported. I don't dispute that there is an impact, a good, a positive impact on death and disease in the high risk groups. Uh, I, I'm not saying don't take this vaccine, these vaccines. If you are elderly, or in a high-risk group, I think that's appropriate public policy. Um, but uh, the durability is remarkably poor. There is evidence that redosing every six months is going to drive the cumulative adverse events up quite high. And um, this, uh, and they, although they do seem to be protective in in some groups against death and disease. They are not particularly effective in protection against infection or transmission, and, right? Yeah, and transmissibility and replication. Mm -hmm. And the 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 kind of the uh, bombshell, the huge bombshell that uh, you know, if you I don't know if you saw the Erin Burnett clip that's been circulating where she basically has a meltdown on CNN 
over over confronting the fact that she's been lied to about the you know we we remember the original rollout. Tony said that uh, these were 100 percent effective and 100 percent safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, I'm sure you can find that clip for your audience if you want to. But uh, that's clearly no longer defensible. That was a lie. And uh, it was a, a, a noble lie, a strategic lie, but it was a lie. And now uh, the government is having to confront the fact that the data are clearly showing that the protection against infection from Delta is, is modest at best. So these are what we call leaky vaccines. They don't uh, absolutely protect you from infection, replication, and spread. And in fact, the replication that's observed uh, seems of the virus, once you're infected, if you get infected, if you've already been vaccinated, seems to be at about the same level as if you were infected and hadn't been vaccinated. The worry is that those people that were vaccinated over six months ago, whether or not they actually have more replication. And if that's the case, that would be the smoking gun for what we call antibody-dependent enhancement or vaccine-enhanced replication. That's what I was going to ask you about next. So there's a term that has been floating around. I've seen you use it, ADE. I'm just becoming familiar with it. So I've not talked about it with our audience very much yet because I don't feel like I'm well-versed enough to bring it up in casual analysis. So that's one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you today. What is ADE and why does our audience need to be made aware of this? Um, So let's set the stage first. This is not our first uh, dust-up with coronaviruses. It's not our first dust up with this particular subclass of coronaviruses, serpenicoviruses. Uh, the prior ones that uh, made the press and we were all familiar with, uh, us, I'm talking about the human species, uh, and dust up, I mean uh, infectious outbreak um, encounters. So the Middle Eastern uh, virus, MERS, uh, has is associated with significant uh, morbidity and mortality actually higher than SARS-CoV-2. Fortunately, it doesn't seem to spread as efficiently, and it seems to be crossing over from various animal hosts and isn't quite as adapted as this one is. And uh, that's a whole other can of worms. How come this one was so well adapted to humans and the furin cleavage site and uh, all of that story that uh, leads back to laboratory origin questions. Uh, but it is what it is. We've got to deal with it. Um, uh, it it uh, does infect, but with, with the MERS and with the prior SARS outbreak, which also seemed to be much more pathogenic initially, but did not establish uh, worldwide dominance in the way that this one has, uh, there were many attempts to develop vaccines mm-hmm. for those. And also many attempts, there are many other coronaviruses that cause veterinary disease. So the veterinarians actually have a longer history than the human uh, vaccinologists in working with this kind of uh, virus. And virtually every prior effort to develop a coronavirus vaccine has encountered this problem of antibody-dependent enhancement. 
it's been overcome sort of in a couple of the veterinary vaccines, but in the prior human vaccine experience, they all, all those programs terminated uh, either for lack of money or because specifically they encountered antibody dependent enhancement. What is that? So this is, uh, it is basically the vaccinologist's worst nightmare um, that the vaccine that you would develop would actually make the disease worse or make the infection more robust, happen more aggressively. How could that possibly happen? Well, um, viruses, this, this uh, arms race that exists between viruses and our immune system has been going on for, you know, millions of years. Uh, and we, there, there is a process that comes out of this mutual dance, wherein, in some cases, the antibodies in particular raised against a virus, if they're not perfectly matched, can cause the virus to be able to infect cells or cause damage that it wouldn't otherwise be able to do. And so you can, uh, in the case of most classic is respiratory syncytial virus. There was a development program for RSV, which kills young children, mm -hmm. newborns. And uh, the development of a vaccine in the 60s to treat and protect against this horrible disease that causes loss of life. And, uh, and they deployed that vaccine and, and the worst outcome happened. More kids died after they got infected when they'd been vaccinated than if they hadn't been vaccinated. Another classic example is dengue and dengue fever, dengue hemorrhagic fever, and uh, the Dengvaxia vaccine has is is been cited as another example of where a vaccine can actually make things worse. So this is always out there in the risk profile, and specifically for coronaviruses, it's out there. And you mentioned that your listenership, this may be their first encounter, it's not the first encounter the FDA has on this. They specifically wrote in the EUA authorization, emergency use authorization letter for Pfizer. They specifically noted that the clinical trials that had been done did not provide information about the risk of antibody-dependent enhancement and that additional trials should be performed uh, to specifically address that. They didn't actually say should. They, they suggested they they were really kind of wishy-washy about it. They said, well, we think it's probably worth doing, but we're not going to make you do it, which Pfizer's response was, well, okay, I'm not going to do it. Uh, why would I do that? It would just hurt my profit, I guess. Um, so they didn't. But, but this, this risk wherein a vaccine causes worse, you know, enhanced replication, potentially worse disease, uh, has long been known to be a coronavirus uh, characteristic. In other words, it's coronaviruses are uniquely stubborn against our vaccination efforts in responding this way. Is that what I hear you say? I wouldn't say uniquely, but absolutely prone to this okay. kind of a problem. All right, Robert, I have to get to a mandatory break, but I definitely have a couple other things I want to ask you. Can you stay uh, on during the break and come course. back for another segment? Do you mind? Uh, of course, I'm glad to. Thank you. Okay, so we're, we're talking with... Uh, Dr. Robert Malone. Uh, he was the original 
patenter of mRNA vaccine vaccine technology. If you want to follow him on Twitter, and, and I am, and I would highly urge you to do it, and there's a lot of good information on there about this ADE. We're going to talk more about this when we come back. I'll look for at R.W. Malone, M.D., on Twitter. Again, at R.W. Malone, just like Malone sounds, at R.W. Malone, M.D., on Twitter. Okay? So hopefully um, this has been, so far, very enlightening and educational. And I like the fact we're just taking a, a strictly academic look at things uh, aside from as much of the narrative that we are fed on every side as much as we possibly can. So more on ADE and and why you should be concerned about it. And then I want to ask him about my theory uh, and, and hope that he tells me I'm all wet, no way it's true, um, uh, take a chill pill. Uh, we'll do that when we come back. You know, there's so many other products out there that claim to be helping you compare your auto and home insurance rates, but I can personally attest there's only one that can that, that you know can really do it and help you get better insurance, and it's our friends over at Gabby, and I know it because I've done it. Gabby is the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not just ballpark guesses. You can use your current policy to find a better co- policy. They'll compare it with coverage from the top 40 providers out there, including big-time national companies like Nationwide, Travelers, and more. Uh, It's free, and they only show you policies that are the same or better than your coverage, many of them at a lower price. And here's the thing that you'll also find out. You may find out you've already got the best coverage you can get for, you know, what you're looking for and for uh, your risk level. That's what I found when I used Gabby. So that's the cool thing, too. If they come back and they might come back and tell you, hey, you've, you're, you've got the most bang for your buck. If that's the case, wouldn't you like to know? And if you could save some money, wouldn't you like to know? And they'll never sell your info. So no annoying spam or robocalls either. Again, totally free to check out. No obligation just to check it out. Go to Gabby, G-A-B-I, B as in boy, G-A-B-I, Gabby.com slash Dace, G-A-B-I. Again, Gabby.com slash Dace. That's Gabby.com slash Dace. Okay. Uh, he was kind to stay over for us. Dr. Robert Malone, the original patenter of mRNA vaccine technology. Robert, when we left off, we were discussing ADE, okay? And and, and that there's a, that is a, a type of reaction your body may have to a vaccination attempt that is the opposite of the reaction we want it to have. Can you describe for us what that reaction is and how it differs from when your body has the proper reaction to a vaccination attempt? Let's see. So what are the, you're asking, what are the signs and symptoms of antibody-dependent enhancement? Um, often it is thought, it is, the focus is on viruses. In most cases, a viral infection is directly associated with the disease. So the disease and the virus infection are one and the same thing. One of the things that's a little bit odd about this virus is that it creates a viral syndrome that we're familiar with. It's more of a flu-like syndrome. Mm -hmm. It happens over the span of five to seven days. And then your body, in some people, the high-risk people, 
has a tendency to develop a hyperimmune response against that, hyperinflammatory response. And we call this cytokine storm, and you know, we call it uh, um, a variety of things having to do with the lung pathology, et cetera. So uh, we um, often confuse the fact that the infection is not the disease. The disease is the body's reaction to the infection. In most cases, the, the infection and the direct damage are the disease, are the driver of the disease. And so in most cases, what you see is the disease gets worse or your risk of death becomes higher in the, in the case of this enhanced viral replication. In this case, what we absolutely would see and the, the risk to watch is we would see increased viral replication, increased viral loads. That's the first sign. And so antibody-dependent enhancement or other mechanisms of enhanced replication after vaccination would show a higher titers, and probably a number of your viewers are really attuned to the issue of PCR cycle number mm -hmm. because that's a hot issue. And so you would detect your virus load, your nucleic acid load, using a much lower number of viral replications if you have much higher viral replication happening. Uh, I'm sorry, you would see a lower number of PCR cycles that would be an indicator of much higher levels of viral replication. Does that make sense? Yep. So in the case of antibody-dependent enhancement for this syndrome, one of the first signs would be that you would see higher titers in vaccine recipients or, or lower PCR cycle numbers for detection compared to unvaccinated. And in theory, you should see if this is to take place, you, and it happens in the waning phase, that's the time when there's the greatest risk. So after six months, when the, when the immune response is tapering off, um, after the durability is expiring, that's when ADE would most likely show up, not on the climbing phase, which is quite steep, but on the declining phase, which is slow. And so you would see it at the time when your antibody and other immune responses drop below a level that's protective, but they're still present in your body and they can still interact with the virus and enable it to infect cells that it might not otherwise infect or replicate in ways. Is that this it the otherwise. difference between the binding and the blocking? I've read on some of the stuff I've read on this. Bingo. Okay. Uh, well done. So your okay. so your body's vaccination response goes from blocking the virus to binding it or something along those lines, right? And and because it's binding it without blocking it, it can help the virus do be, infect other cells mm -hmm. or do damage. So so the the signal that we're watching for right now, and there's evidence that it may be starting to pop up, like in the Israeli data, and some of, you know, we heard all these announcements from our good friend, Dr. Fauci and others, saying, oh no, we're having similar levels of replication in the unvaccinated and the vaccinated population. Well, if we tease apart that vaccinated population, it may be that we find that those that are on the waning phase as the vaccine protection is declining may actually be having higher titers. And when you look at the scatter plots, that's the raw data with these uh, two situations, people that have got infections with Delta 
versus those that are showing what we call breakthrough infections in previously vaccinated. It suggests that some of the scatter is at the higher end, and that would be a signal of antibody-dependent enhancement or other uh, replication enhancement. So there's ghosts in the data right now suggesting this might be a possibility. It is not proven yet. So don't get that in your brain that, oh, no, Mm -hmm. the world is going to come to an end. We're all going to die because of antibody-dependent enhancement. We're not there yet, uh, but... Uh, we do need to carefully monitor, and there are some signs suggesting that this uh, unfortunate situation where the vaccine durability is petering out, that uh, there may be some signs that that there is some enhancement of replication, and that would be a bad thing. And if that's whether or not that's what's going on, what we absolutely have is a situation in which people that have been vaccinated are replicating virus at very high levels, similar to those that have not been vaccinated. Now, they don't seem right now, the early data suggests they're not getting in the hospital or dying as much, but that's not for sure. That's also got some uh, ghosts in the machine right now that we have to watch carefully, but the numbers are still small. Okay. So... That's that's I hope that helps. Yeah, absolutely it does. That helps immensely. So, let me let me let me conclude this with my theory. Because there's like 50 other questions we could ask you that I just don't have the time for, so we probably need to have you back here at some point soon. But and and you really triggered it when you mentioned the the mRNA origin or the, what was it the mRNA genome of this virus. So this virus emanates from an mRNA genome, correct? Yes. Okay. I have a theory. See, we're all focused on this gain of function research, is it? And I understand why, because of the it's it, you know scientists all all over the world, all over the country have previously condemned it as dangerous. The Obama administration uh, ordered NIH to stop doing it, so I get it. But to me, there's a difference between I'm 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 splitting an atom to create a weapon of mass destruction, to I am doing it for another purpose. It's not just for me. That gain of function in and of itself is dangerous, Dr. Malone. It's the fact that they were specifically trying to gauge spillover potential with it according to their own notes. They were specifically attempting to figure out what would cause these viruses to spill over from an animal to a human. I have a th- that's what they say and that's what they say in their own notes is that they were measuring that. You don't agree yeah, with me the, on that. The only the the fly in the ointment, remember I worked closely with the Department of Defense. Which is why I want to ask Defense you about this. Reduction yeah. Agency. Yeah. Okay. And what uh, gain-of-function research is classified as dual-function research. What that means is, number one, most of it gets classified. Uh, number two, uh, it means that, uh, yes, there's a kind of a civilian protective side for this. Mm-hmm. So there's a, both a defensive and a potentially aggressive side. And uh, there is a hole in the biowarfare treaty that you could drive a truck through that basically says that we're not going to use lethal agents, but we're not prohibited from using what are called incapacitating agents, which is things that make you so sick that you're not able to fight a war. Right. Um, So just just, you know, keep that in mind that these are this is dual function research. Okay. Is it possible that the true origin of the virus came out of their attempts to preemptively create a vaccine for the next SARS or MERS event, that it is 
in, in and of itself a variant of their own vaccination attempts. And it is therefore causing variants and mutations, attempts to vaccinate it uh, so active, so rapidly are, are causing more rapid and further variants and mutations. Is that possible? Ah, so now you are, are jumping straight into the swimming pool of Gert van den Bosch. Yes. Uh, van der Bosch. Yeah. And uh, it's, can you it's answer that than, in two minutes, by the way, <laughs> more than it's more than possible. It's highly plausible in my opinion. Number one, uh, the, the, uh, regarding the lab leak hypothesis versus intentional release of an engineered pathogen versus a crossover from another species, I, the, the um, furin cleavage site and some other hallmarks, plus the, the funding record uh, associated with gain of function on these pathogens is pretty clear. And uh, in my opinion, there is a, quite a, a plausible ex, uh, hypothesis that this uh, originally represented a human-engineered pathogen, however it got into the population. Um, in terms of Gert's uh, concept, uh, this, is, this is high science to get into it, uh, but a, and I made a strong case about this, sorry, I'm gonna plug Bannon's War Room, with Peter Navarro last Saturday, mm -hmm. that, that we really are being more than a little bit stupid or naive in uh, this mass vaccination campaign, we will drive the development of uh, vaccine escape mutants. I can't see any other outcome. And we absolutely, in my opinion, need to stop it. Uh, we need to only focus on vaccinating the high-risk individuals and aggressively advance uh, early treatment strategies, drug strategies, and that if we don't listen to GERT and the warnings about escape mutants, we are at high risk for generating super mutant viruses that will uh, um, infect all of us, probably with very high titers and, and significant disease risk. Because what's happening with vaccinating the whole world is that we're focusing all of our immune responses on one particular protein. With natural infection, you generate immune responses against a broad range right. of proteins. Right. And this is part of why we have the genetic diversity we have in our immune systems, mm -hmm. is that um, people that have this particular gene versus that particular gene, they may get taken out by a given pathogen. This is, this is big population stuff, okay? Remember, this is how come the Native Americans got wiped out, was infectious disease. A good case can be made. The reason why um, uh, we beat the British was because they didn't have good immune responses against some of the Native North American pathogens. Uh, I'm talking about the Revolutionary War. Sure. So okay. it is, it is uh, absolutely uh, a, a risk that we focus every, everybody's immune response on one protein, and then the virus learns how to escape that specific immune response, and then it'll just rip through the population, as opposed to only targeting those that have very high risk to protect them, protect our old people, for example, um, and then making it so the rest of us have, you know, perhaps get natural infection but are supported by drugs and develop a more broad-based immune response that's diverse mm. so that uh, if, if a super pathogen does evolve, 
it doesn't take all of us out. Robert, we need to do this again. I hate to leave it there, but I must. It's been a pleasure talking to you and thank you for enlightening us. And we will certainly request to have you back here soon. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Steve. You bet. That's Dr. Robert Malone. This seems like a good time, by the way. If there was ever a great segue to a live read, how about my Patriot supply? Are you ready for the next big crisis? You might be after that 45-minute interview, all right? Um, Who knows what it could be, a super virus, hyperinflation, a natural disaster, whatever happens, though the smart people are prepared ahead of time. You can stockpile now with our friends at My Patriot Supply, the nation's original Patriot preparedness company, food that stays fresh up to 25 years with proper storage, so you don't have to worry about going hungry, food lines, up to 2,000 calories a day. And also 41,000 four and five star reviews for a company that's only a little more than a decade old. So if you want a special deal, get their four week food kit delivered discreetly to your door in just a few days uh, for 25% off when you go to preparewithdace.com. Again, that is preparewithdace.com, preparewithdace.com. All right. Good luck in the 90 seconds we have left coming up with something smart to say in response to that. But who wants to I got it. Who wants to take a crack at it? There at the end, he and listen, he's describing a theoretical path. I'm not absolutely not going to put words into my mouth, but we are on the path that is the exact plot of the Will Smith movie I Am Legend. That there it was a cure for cancer. But that cure for cancer ultimately end up turning on them and killing us all. So we're in Frankenstein's monster territory. There's no doubt about it. I'm not sure what more, what more, um, what did we just talk about on fake news or not? All the times we've been lied to really over the last four five, six years. I implore anyone just on its face anyone to just say, yeah, uh, everything he's saying is bunk. Everything Dr. Malone is saying is, is just absolute, absolute bunk. Um, there are parts of this that, that kind of go over the head, but he did a, a good job, as good as, as I think somebody like him could do of explaining this in layman's terms. Guys, we talk about the rabbit hole. We're nowhere, we may be near the end of the cultural rabbit hole, but as far as this one goes... Um, we've, we've barely plumbed the depths yet. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.